Good day, folks. This is Mark Anthony Williams with So You Want to Be a Safety Professional. And we've got a special topic today. But before I go into the topic, I'm going to let our guest give his introduction so you guys can learn a little bit more about him. And we'll get started. Hey, how are you doing today? I'm very well, Mark Anthony. And yourself? Can't complain. Can't complain. Do you want to tell our guests who you are and what company you represent? Sure, sure. My company is called SafeMap. Um, I formed this company in 1994 in Australia after mm -hmm. I spent my first 30 years of my life in South Africa. Uh, I, okay. became a, I trained as a psychologist there uh, and then started working for a big mining company um, mm -hmm. in, in South Africa, which is today BHP. Um, and I was the group safety manager or group risk manager for this organization. Then okay. started SafeNet in, uh, in 1994 in Australia, lived there for 12, 13 years, and then moved to Canada um, after that about 12, 13 years ago. Uh, but all oh, along... Australia, been, Canada. Jesus Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Consulting okay. in the field of the psychology of risk, if you could, a very short term for that. Okay. okay. All right. I like it. And do you want to tell our viewers what our title is today? You know, we were just talking about how interesting a title it was. Yeah, yeah. I the the, the title is the devil, the devil's in the data, um, and uh, uh, very much in the detail of that data, and mm. and what is the impact of what I call latent metrics on safety. It's a bit of a different angle on, uh, not not a bit of a different, a very different angle on how we measure safety. That's true. I think. Today's safety is, is mainly measured by some lagging indicators, especially here in the U.S. You know, we wait until we have injuries and we're tracking how many injuries we have, but it doesn't necessarily track uh, safety management or the performance of safety management. It, it mainly tracks what happens after someone gets hurt. So can you provide us an overview of what latent metrics are and why they're often overlooked in safety management? Yes, um, I, think, I think it all starts with... How do we define safe? And I've been exploring the word safe, and it seems like a pretty obvious. Safe is safe. Nothing goes wrong. Right. But while nothing goes wrong, you know, visibly, no accident, there's actually a lot that can and does go wrong in the organization. You know, sure. we, 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 we talk, to, talk about them as near misses uh, mm -hmm. and things like that. So how do we define safety? De uh, uh, determines everything. So there's the old, uh, so-called old definition of safety is the absence of accidents. And then from that, you get zero targets and so on. The new view in safety is uh, and, uh, pretty much being used around these days is, is the presence of capacity or the presence of controls. Now, okay. both of those are very different metrics, but yes. even, even the one of the presence of capacity even if you have great capacity, you can still have adverse events. You can still have, and companies experience, catastrophic events. So right. I don't believe either of those definitions are helpful. And I've defined safety in a different way. And it's very simple definition. It is the readiness to respond to risks relentlessly. Now, if you okay. look at that definition, it changes everything. It changes how you manage safety and risk. It changes how you measure it. And that's how you then get to the whole idea of latent metrics because you can measure readiness. 
You can measure response. You can measure uh, risks, and you can measure relentlessness in the, uh, relentlessly in the organization. And that's that's in a way latent metrics. So you're quantifying how prepared are you to handle what a capacity you have to handle these unfortunate events that might happen. Not necessarily well just said. recording the event happening itself. Is, is that exactly. fair to say? Very well, very well said, yeah. a lot more sense. Wow. Can you give us some more examples of latent metrics that have a significant impact on safety that you've seen? Yeah, so, um, I, I, you know, most people are familiar with the term black swans, um, you know, catastrophic events in organizations that that have happened and uh, out of the blue, out of the black, yeah. as they say. But when you look at those black swan events uh, after the event, mm -hmm. you know, then it all makes sense. Then everybody can very cleverly sit in a, in a, in a chair and analyze the accidents. Oh, this happened, this happened, this happened. These are all the precursors. Now, why didn't we know about those precursors, those latent metrics? And the simple answer to that is because mm -hmm. we haven't been looking for them. Because okay. we, we define safety as nothing goes wrong and therefore we don't have to look for them. So I've uh, actually for, a, for a, a significant part of my career, I've done uh, very major events or, or processes for organizations that the latest one was called the elimination of fatalities. How do we eliminate fatalities? So um, I uh, facilitated the process very quickly, what the process looks like. Mm -hmm. It is a week-long process on a site, a location, and, and I do a lot of work in the mining industry, where we bring six to eight people from outside that company. Mm -hmm. And they merge with six to eight people inside the company. And they work in pairs. And those pairs then go out, walk, past everything that's visible, the management, the PowerPoints, they go to talk to the workers at the front end. And mm -hmm. then they're going to look for black swan events or what I uh, later called purple dragons. A purple dragon is a catastrophic event that can be predicted and can be discovered. And that's what we look for. And okay. that's where we started looking into what are these metrics that exist in organizations that we're not looking for, but if we are looking for them, we can find them. And so they're there, they've been there the entire time. We just haven't been paying attention. We haven't been, well, we're, uh, not, not so much never been paying attention. We haven't got the mechanisms, the processes to actually go and measure them. Okay. So, uh, and, I, and I think there is this uh, a very famous uh, saying, what you look for is what you find. Right. Um, and if you go look for, you don't look for them, you're not going to find them. But if you look for them and you have the right process, then you can actually find them. And so you asked, you asked me for, a, for a, uh, some example. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I, after one of these uh, activities uh, for this uh, mining company, we, we visited 42 mine sites. Mm -hmm. uh, and we developed, for after that, we developed what I call the coefficient of chronic and ease. And that coefficient of chronic and ease had seven metrics in it. And okay. I'll, I'll just give you one example. Um, one example is, what is the view of failure or the views on failure 
in the organization? What is the management's view of failure? When something goes wrong, mm -hmm. what is their response? And there's three possibilities. One is human error is seen as the main issue. People make mistakes because they make mistakes and we had an accident. Or what is the, is the safety system uh, the cause? Is it in, deeper inside the organization? Or is it way upstream? Is it in the safety culture of the organization? Now, those three levels, the, the extent to which they exist in an organization mm -hmm. is a latent metric. And if you think about it, you know, it's, it's, it's either midstream, upstream or downstream. Right. So therefore, those are, those are, that's just one. And we've identified seven of those that, that, um, that, 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 that you can focus on. I think that a lot of times companies are primarily worried about liability and because they, they're primarily worried about liability, it's kind of like past the hot potato or transfer that liability. So they're looking at, okay, can I transfer this liability upfront to a contractor or another third party, A or B, how can I show that I did my due diligence and that this employee that I hired acted on his own accord? You know, like I could not prevent him from doing whatever that unsafe behavior was that led to him being hurt or led to the catastrophe. But I, I also think that nine times out of 10, like you said, most of this is systemic and it usually starts, you know, probably upstream. And it, it takes kind of a, a top level coming down approach versus just looking um, from a micro perspective at, okay, he did it, so he must be around or something must be wrong with him versus, well, how is our system designed to train him and monitor him and encourage him to do the right thing and set him up for success? Am I right in saying that? You know, you're actually touching upon one of the biggest problems in our industry. And it is not something that we often talk about. It's not something that we even like to talk about, but you are absolutely spot on. The, the reason why we focus on anything other than the systems and the culture and organization is that transferring of risk or liability. And I'm not too sure how we overcome that because it is inherent in the legal system right. of the yeah. country. It's, it's inherent. Yeah, we have criminalized right. safety to such a large degree that it is almost impossible to step back. And now you are so right. If I am a, 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 the owner of a big business and mm -hmm. I say to the legal uh, tax out there, Okay, I'm to blame. Mm -hmm. It's in my system. And this system has got the potential to create many more accidents. Are you are you out of your mind? Am I going to say that? <laughs> You're just not. <laughs> I'm not going to put that in an email. <laughs> and that's the fundamental issue. And, and, and therefore, it is very easy for us to sit and talk about the theories of safety and the theories of metrics and all these things. And But we haven't been able to address a very, very fundamental issue, the criminalization of safety. Hmm. Can you discuss a real world scenario where ignoring latent metrics had more serious repercussions? Like what have you seen? Well, yeah, I mean, you, there are so many, you know, of these famous uh, catastrophic events, uh, you know, like Deepwater Horizon and uh, the Texas refineries and all these are, are very classic examples. Um, but there's one, uh, event that I've uh, actually studied in depth, um, and it is uh, an accident happened in, in in Canada. It is a rail accident. Now, there's been a several rail 
derailments in the rail, rail industry after this one. But this in 2016, um, Canada was at that stage almost boasting that uh, they have the safest rail industry in the world. Oh boy. Um, this particular organization uh, even claimed that they're operating practically at zero. Those were their words. And okay. on this day, on this night, a very tragic example happened. Um, a rail, a, a train was stopped for the overnight to be sh uh, changing the shift. The mm -hmm. driver left the train there, and by procedure, he followed every rule. He kept the engine running to, to keep the air brakes running. He, mm -hmm. he activated uh, seven mechanical brakes. He then went to town and slept because the next day, another train driver would come and take the train further. Okay. 70 fuel Perfect. tankers he was pulling. Now, during the night, a small fire started on the engine, and the fire, ex uh, the fire department came out, and they extinguished the fire, but they shut the engine down because they had to, which mm -hmm. meant the air brakes was now shut down. They let the company know that this has happened. The company said, no problem, we've got mechanical brakes. And unfortunately, that weight, the momentum of that 70 tankers was too heavy for the mechanical brakes, and it started running. And it started running unattended and hit the town on a curve at 1 o'clock that morning and derailed in the center of town, and 47 people died in their sleep. Oh, my God. Massive fire. This is just a few years ago. Now, all the metrics that was in existence in this organization, this cultural metrics, the upstream metrics, the latent metrics that that they could have measured but didn't have the means to, was mm -hmm. not measured. And it was a traumatic, traumatic uh, outcome. Yeah, now, I that's an example of if, we, if we're not focusing on indices uh, that exist in our organization, and then suddenly now everybody looks back and says, oh, but now we know. And, and exactly to your point, you know, who, who got the blame for this whole thing? The, the conductor who, yep. The, the train on. driver. Yep. The train driver. So instead of this triggering a, a larger event of perspective and, and introspection on what could we have done differently? How often do we test these brakes and their capacity? How often do we maintain the brakes or or anything like that, it simply came down to, well, this is his fault. Uh, now, after this event and after the, the, I mean, this train driver and the two other managers above him were both arrested and put in uh, jail initially. Uh, but I think there was some sense coming to the fore in the Canadian system because eventually the, the guys were released and the, 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 the investigation by the transport uh, board was actually very, very thorough after that and really look into the depth of the whole of the whole uh, of the whole event in in a much more dynamic way okay. so in this particular case you know but this was after 47 people died that's that's very unfortunate gosh yeah. how can organizations incorporate latent metrics into their existing safety management systems what do you think would make a difference here well, they, they cannot, they simply cannot incorporate into the existing safety management systems. And okay. that's the problem. We have to create new processes. We have to create new systems to measure the things that we don't know. And, um, you know, if I, if I just give you some examples of, okay, so, so let's talk about 
what is a, 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 a very powerful latent metric is the organization's safety culture. Now, we mm. won't go into the, into the debate whether an organization has a culture and uh, or, or a safety culture separately. I think there's enough evidence in my world that an organization does have a safety culture that may even exist uh, counter to their organizational culture because we have so many different ways or different influences on safety. They were legal, and here we talk about earlier on criminalization of safety. So it has an impact and creates a different culture of safety within the organization's culture. But uh, strength of culture, the maturity of the organization's culture, how aligned is the various levels in the organization in terms of perceptions, uh, how well integrated is safety and organizational processes. Uh, the very famous uh, topic uh, buzzword these days, psychological safety. Those are all latent metrics. Yep. Now, they don't exist in current safety management systems because we, we they're almost additional to that. We have to go out and say, well, let's conduct a safety culture analysis and right. then we can say this is the metric. It's really so, not a traditional thing to, to do, honestly. You hear about job hazard assessments, you hear about ergonomic assessments, but very rarely do you hear about safety cultural assessments. Yeah, it, it, it is an onerous uh, thing for an organization to do because you got to you got pull employees out, you got to measure their perceptions, uh, and that's a whole that's a whole different ballgame. So it doesn't get done uh, yeah. as often as it could be. But if you have a and and, and that's one of the things that we've done is we've developed uh, almost a monkey survey for safety culture, okay. and um, so that it can be readily attached to your safety software. It can mm -hmm. be done internally. But that means you can now start to measure very often and very regular the culture in the organization. I'll tell you an example of an organization that basically measures their safety culture every week now. Um, it is an organization in, uh, in Namibia, in Africa, for whom we've developed a system called Safe Sentry. And it's got a dual function. One is we use the expertise of employees to identify uh, fatal risks or purple dragons uh, in my terminology so they mm -hmm. go out with a tablet and they go and talk to other employees one person a day has the role of the safe sentry and another day another person has so when they do this observations with each other they actually take photos of potential catastrophic risks or fatal accidents mm -hmm. but they then conduct a mini survey with this person they ask this person just four questions and every time the app opens, it's new four questions, new four questions. So over a period of a week, they actually have collected data of the perceptions of employees about the culture and organization. And then on a weekly basis, they have a look at this and can make very preemptive decisions about risk and culture in their organization. So that's how it can be actually integrated into okay. the normal metrics of an organization. It sounds as if you're you're finding a convenient way to quantify the, the cultural perspectives on safety. Exactly. That, and I guess at least uh, my, my final question here is, what role do technological solutions like analytic software play in unearthing and utilizing these metrics? Um, I think if, we, if we're able to um, create a, a, a suite of, of latent metrics, Mm -hmm. And they can then be starting to be integrated into your into your analytic software. 
um, you can actually start to, uh, to, to do a very powerful uh, continuous metric, continuous measurement in the organization. Um, and some organizations, are, some of the software that I've seen, are attempting to do that. They, they're getting into, uh, for instance, close out rates of hazards, you know, or uh, the, the period of time between a hazard reported and closed out, and those right. kind of metrics as leading indicators. But that's still that's still at the superficial level. That's still at a at a hazard physical level. It's right, not just physical hazards. You're not really talking about a person's perspective or how they perceive the hazard or what they were likely to do, right? On a scale of one to ten, how likely were you to report this if you hadn't been asked about it? Exactly. Yeah. Of a very simple metric that can be introduced into software, and this is the ratio between hideable and non-hideable risk uh, risks identified. And, and, and I think that it's a very simple, very powerful metric. And mm -hmm. you can do it in your organization right now. If you look at your near-miss reporting or your hazard reporting, and you just simply ask your question, if they didn't report this, this particular uh, hazard, would anyone have known? Is it something that they could have hidden very easily? And if they didn't report it, no, no consequence to them. So there was no damage. There was no okay. witnesses or something like that. But they, uh, you know, two vehicles uh, approach an intersection. They nearly collide, but they don't, and they, they drive off. And then one of those two drivers report this incident. That's what I call uh, not a, a, a not a near miss, but a, maybe a far miss, um, and it's hideable. So if you have four of these hideable reports for everyone that could not be hidden. Right. You, you are in a level of risk maturity in your organization. That's much better. But most organizations, what is being reported is what could not be hidden away. And therefore, it's, you're, you're, at, you're at a reactive, you're, I mean, a, a near miss is a lagging indicator. It's, it's something that's right. already happened. And we, we were not into this, into this realm of what potentially can happen, and that's where we need to have software analytics in that in that in, in that range. Gosh, you make a lot of sense here. And you know, when I, I think about it a little bit more now, I, I also think about the fact that I can see the the physical or almost tangible return on investment, and and why safety tends to prioritize more sort of ergonomic assessments and the, the JHAs and, and that kind of stuff. But something like culture, you know, the the benefits of returning that investment would be a bit harder to to see, to use, especially in the, if you if you don't have experience with it. So I could see why maybe as a result there's a little bit more bias towards what we can physically control or 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 handle or put a, a engineering control over versus something that takes longer and, and requires behavioral changes and coaching. Am I right in saying that? Yes, you know, and, and that, that, that actually touches upon a very important shift in thinking. When I, when I uh, started thinking about this definition of safety is the readiness to respond to risks, um, <clears throat> that has to exist in the culture of the organization, the, the readiness, in the maturity of the organization to foster the kind of reporting that we talked about earlier on as one example. But then secondly, 
we tend to still focus a lot on let's fix the physical work environment let's fix the hazards in the organization mm-hmm. and that is a that is a, a still a predominant focus in organizations now there's nothing wrong with that but the the unfortunate result of that is we are still reactive we are still focusing right. on the physical things around us so if you look at readiness to respond to risk you're actually focusing on the human factor in the safety uh, equation and so my uh, my mantra is mm-hmm. humans are the strongest link in the safety chain now if you th- think about that most safety professionals would say to you no humans are the weakest link in our safety chain they make the mistakes and everybody right. wants to focus on that but if you flip it around you now actually if you look at that human being as a very powerful entity in your organization and you equip them you you create readiness to respond to risk in them they're the smartest risk management system we have nothing nothing can compete with a human being and i i love to use the example of uh, captain sally sullenberg who landed the plane in the hudson river mm-hmm. and saved the day and 152 people survived now if you think about it what did he do he actually did the wrong thing he actually decided in that moment i'm not going to try and reach the airport which is what the procedure says he took a risk and that risk saved the day right and so if you think about it and you, you know you read any accident happens uh, aviation accidents you would always see pilot error coming into the equation somewhere yeah or in our, in our case human error mm-hmm. but for every one accident where a pilot error can be blamed there were hundreds of situations where the pilot saved the day mm. and humans saved the day right and we are not focusing on that at all you, so your employees every day yeah that makes sense every that employee makes- every company has a lot of employees every day that do little things Mm-hmm. That, that provides great safety so we create safety through the eyes of our employees if we support them as the readiness to respond to risk as the strongest link in a safety chain that you know what i've always kind of thought that and i kind of agree to here if you train your people you educate them and you get their buy in the more you equip them with the tools to work safely and make their job easier right I believe that they in turn it raises their hazard awareness and that means that now they can make better decisions which keeps everybody safe and keeps the organization safe as well right I've I've always thought that and even when I've had to implement NAMIS uh, programs NAMIS reporting uh, programs and whatnot I always make sure that a big proponent of that is that the training lines up with the tasks they're doing to show them the hazards associated with those tasks and ask them how do you think you can do this job easier. If you can yeah. make this job easier, what do you see? What would you change about this machine or this this process path and how far you have to walk or push a cart or or the height of a bench or the height of a table? And I'd get some really interesting responses because when I start making people, you know, aware of these things that hey, these are changeable, these are moldable variables. Now they get very creative and they start realizing, you know what? I don't necessarily have to overreach this way a hundred times to pick up this box before I pack it. Can we move this box station lower? Can we make it a little bit more accessible? Because then instead of me having to reach this way a hundred times, 
in 20 minutes, I only have to reach five and I don't have to reach to that degree of an angle. You know, I, that's the kind of stuff that I, and these are ideas from people in the in, in, in production force that management supervisors may not necessarily have, or people sitting in a corporate office would not have arrived at. You know, we, we, we talk a lot about safety these days of uh, engage the worker. You know, workers are not the problem, they're the solution. Mm -hmm. um, and you, and, and, and we, it's like almost a, a recent discovery in safety that, hey, the worker is actually the answer to our problems, our <laughs> the solution for us. But it is, it is really very, very old, you know. Uh, and that's why I love the work of Edward Deming. The Japanese in the 50s, 1950s and 60s of the previous century started with quality circles. That is exactly what we now say in safety. Oh, we should engage the worker. It, 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 is, it is a solution that was sitting in, in front of us for almost 100 years now. And yet we've never really grasped this and grabbed this well in safety. Um, but in, 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 in other parts of the management systems, quality and uh, human resources and so on. It is an age-old concept. So why right. are we discovering that now in safety? That that's a good point. It's, it's the same concepts. It doesn't matter if it's safety, quality, production, reliability. It's the same concepts. You're, yeah, you're absolutely. Right. Ed, Ed, Edward Deming said, you know, create pride in workmanship. Uh, give exactly what you just told about said about employees. You equipment. You give them that pride to do their jobs. They will tell you how to do that best, and that's what Edward Deming said in 1980, as a, in his book, uh, you know, Out of Crisis. I remember that. Yeah. Well, I have but one question left. What, I guess, if you were to look into a little crystal ball here, what future developments do you see? I mean, do you think over time, latent metrics will become more important and be adopted more frequently, especially in the United States? What do you, What do you think? I think it will. I, th I don't think we have really uh, much of a choice. Uh, we, you know, we run out of interpretations of data as we see it, um, as, as visible data. Uh, and we are getting quite more sophisticated. You know, I, th I think there's a great uh, opportunity in uh, artificial intelligence, uh, in mm -hmm. technology, and we will be able to start measuring indices and uh, processes in organization that we've never been able to measure. Sure. And I think that is going to be making a huge difference in our, you know, my, uh, my, uh, my dream is that safety should disappear. Safety should become invisible. Just like quality in a quality movement, there's no mm -hmm. more safety, uh, there's no more quality uh, uh, officers measuring quality at the back end of a safety, of, of a production process. It's all integrated. And I think with technology, we can actually get to a point where we will have safety so integrated into organizations that uh, it will not be seen anymore. It will just be a given. And that's what that's technology can bring us in the future. That would be amazing. And you're, you're probably right. With AI, I could see that happening and it, within probably the next 10 years. Okay. Absolutely, yeah. Well, Mr. Pitzer, I really appreciate you coming on and talking to us today. Do you have any final words for our guests? Um, yes, I think um, the uh, maybe a final word is um, for you know we as safety professionals mm -hmm. uh, we, we we're always seen as uh, we're dealing with the problems in the organizations. Um, I think uh, if we can really start playing a role in 
becoming a facilitator of innovation in an organization. Okay. Um, that would put us into a whole different ball game where we, instead of detracting from the bottom line, we are now adding to the bottom line. And maybe we shouldn't be calling ourselves safety people anymore. Maybe we should call ourselves, uh, you know, resilience engineers or innovator, <laughs> uh, some other title. <laughs> Most definitely. Instead of thinking that we're, um, we're just uh, money savers, I think that we're yeah. money producers, right? Money creators, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed our episode, right? We spoke about a lot of good stuff today. Um, we learned a lot about latent metrics and its impact on safety, right? And our title, you know, was a working title. We were going back and forth for a little bit. Um, we didn't want to take anybody off of my privileges, but we finally, you know, decided that it was just putty enough that it was going to pass the test, right? Uh, we have our t-shirt giveaway going on. So please like and subscribe, right? We'll be picking one lucky winner from our newest fan base, the next hundred subscribers. One lucky person is going to get that t-shirt mailed to them, right? So until next time, uh, tune in and stay safe.